Hi, I am SB Roz, a coach and a messy whole human. And this is Dr. Hoda Kalani joining me for another All Up In It conversation. 35-ish minutes of reporting from the complicated and exhilarating midst of learning. Hoda, thank you so much for being willing to join me today. Hi, SB Roz and listeners. <laughs> I am excited to be here and uh, looking for a fun conversation with you, SB. Uh, yes, me too. Well, let's let's kick it off with my my usual kickoff question, which is just how do you understand yourself as a human these days? Thank you for asking me this question, SB, and allowing me to share what I am going through right now. And that is, I always push others to get to know themselves, because I think if you don't know yourself, you really cannot be happy and successful. Once you know yourself and what you want in life and what are your needs, then you can go look for them and find them. That's how I like to think of it. And as I get older, I kind of feel like, okay, I've done that, but there's if there's something missing, what would it be? And what I probably recently, probably a year or two ago, is that gratitude is what really keeps me happy. So if I am right now talking to you and I'm grateful for this opportunity, that makes me more of a happier person than if I'm sitting here and focused on the anxiety of having me being interviewed or uh, worried about the questions that SPs are going to ask me next. Uh, but if I'm gratitude to be in a space, any space, then I find I'm a much happier person and I can um, really give back to, to, to you what, you know, or what I'm feeling. I can share it better. Oh, my goodness. That's so beautiful. I love that. Um, and I want to come back to that in just a moment, because I have a feeling it's going to be relevant um, throughout our conversation today. Gratitude is such a rich practice, especially when we do it with a lot of mindfulness, which I feel I, like I'm hearing baked into how you're relating to gratitude, that it's a very mindful practice. Is that right? Absolutely. Uh, so I did. that's why I'm like a couple of years ago, I didn't do this. But now <laughs> when I wake up in the morning, I try to name five to 10 things I'm grateful for. And if I can do that on that day, which is really easy to do in that, um, you know, I see my mom who is in her 80s and can't eat all any kind of food, you know, <laughs> if yeah. she loves dessert, she can't have dessert because she's diabetic. Mm. And so I can still eat dessert today. So I'm great. I can be <laughs> grateful for that on, in that morning. Definitely choosing five to 10 things to be grateful for just puts me, you know, gives me a step that, hey, it's going to be a great day today. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. Well, I wonder, is um, is your gratitude practiced related to what you're all up in these days? Like, what are you in the thick of learning? Uh, and that's what it is. is I find if I'm, I'm happy and I am content in what I have, I can give more back to the community that I serve and to my clients. And even uh, right now, I am thinking of, I already have a YouTube channel. And I have a podcast of, that I um, cre created uh, four years ago. And a lot of the people I meet, as I, I love to travel. As I travel, people are like, well, why don't you do it in a different language since you speak other languages? So I do speak Arabic and Spanish. But I haven't really sp spoken <laughs> for 30, mm -hmm. over 30 years. 
And so when I think of the terms that I would use if I were to continue on my journey, uh, which is to support the term career literacy and have everybody be career, uh, you know, literate, mm -hmm. that's my mission in life is to say, get to know yourself, get to know the business you'd like to work in. And then I think you can find the career that best fulfills your dreams. So in that push, I do need, if I want to bring it on a global scape, I'd like to bring it in different languages. And um, I've been challenged by uh, people close to me and people who I've presented to in English. Well, why wasn't it in Arabic? Why wasn't it in Spanish? And uh, so this is what I'm going through right now is trying to relearn the languages for what I can do, like the basic, hi, how are you in both languages? When I think of the vocational terms, terms such as Kiri literacy, I, I find I'm finding it very hard to wrap my head around that in a different language. And I cannot find, um, you know, the same term that I think fulfills that mm -hmm. meaning of the word. But I am grateful to be in this position because it's putting me out of my comfort zone. And I find as we get older, we tend to stick to our routines. You know, you like your coffee a certain way. You, uh, you, you know, you're comfortable. I'm comfortable speaking English. And so doing these YouTube videos and podcasts is very easy for me. I just have an idea. I talk about it. And <laughs> I'm very, you know, I'm very content in what I have accomplished. Part of gratitude is putting ourselves in, in uh, outside of our comfort zone. I think once you go try something and you don't... Um, succeed or if you succeed the either way it's going to be putting you in a position where you say i'm thankful for that experience or not and this all stems really my dad passed away a few years ago but he would always say if you think the glass is greener on the other side then you better go to try it check it out if you don't like it you can come back to where you're at and i think Whenever I think of that, because we always think the grass is greener on the other side, or a lot of people do, I don't do, like, I find I don't feel that anymore because of my gratitude attitude and because I do out an experiment. So, but when I, what I'm scared of is what if I do it in a different language and I really mess up? Uh, what will happen to my listeners or just people who trusted me to bring this knowledge in a different language? Um and so this is why I'm hesitant. I've been wanting to do this for a couple of years now, but every time I pick to the language, let's say Spanish, and I start writing all the career terms and I'm like, no, I don't want to do this. And I step back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so right now I am committed to myself and I think I'm voicing it now is January, 2024. You will hear the first episode. Oh, that's I haven't, Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think in mid-December is my cutoff. And, and I think that's what I try to teach as well, is to put a cutoff, a point. And you and I, I think we, we did that, right, for recording this. Let's set a date. Mm -hmm. And so uh, December 15 is when I have to make a decision on the language. And then I'll have two weeks to produce the first episode in, in a certain language. <laughs> and um, I think, I'm thinking right now it'll be monthly, but you may be surprised that I may not do it because I do have some fears in there. I haven't been able to voice them. I don't know. 
I think is I don't want to be disappointing the people who are counting on me. Mm-hmm. But is there more to it? I I don't know. I need your help, Espy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, you're you're hitting close to home for me as a person who is um I'm only an English speaker though I have spent my entire life on and off trying to be a Spanish speaker as well <laughs> and I my my quest continues um and um and I understand what you're saying though you know there's a, a conversation I have with myself a lot because I use Duolingo now and I keep telling myself you got to go talk to people you're never going to be able to speak Spanish until you're speaking Spanish and then I go somewhere and I meet a Spanish speaker and I just shyly go back into English Right. And I, I think part of the richness I hear you describing um, at least brings to mind for me about the way um, different languages have different flavors and idioms and and um, ways of speaking, to your point, ways of speaking about the same thing, but speaking about it differently. Right. We're, we're talking about career literacy, but we're using different language and perhaps that different language represents different values or different social ideas of a life well lived or different ideas of what the role of career in a person's life does any of that feel this is your realm not mine I'm just curious if that any of that feels meaningful to you actually I'm glad you said what you said because right now I thought also um, of a cultural difference and that's probably what's holding me back because I I was in um, Dubai presenting about career literacy in English. And uh, during the presentation, I asked everybody, uh, you know, this thing that you do like this to open up and become more confident right before an interview. So I was telling them this would be a great idea to do right before an interview. And I have to share it because it really struck me that I was not thinking of it because when I asked uh, the students to get up and do it, the boys were comfortable and got up and do it but the girls they started giggling and did not do it so I went um, so in Dubai mostly the classes were um, that I presented in the girls would sit on one side and the boys would sit on the other side so the girls did not get up did not do this so I went you know moved from my where I was to the group of girls standing and I said come on you can do it and then uh, somebody from the school approached me and whispered uh, girls, I'm not going to do this in public here. It's against their culture of values. Yeah. And so that was, an, I mean, that was, that brought me back in that there are cultural differences that you think because someone speaks English and they go to an English speaking university or an American university, we forget that there are those values that are um, unique to each country and to each culture. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What a great example. Right. And it was such an honest um, thing to do, right? Like in the United States or in Canada, you would just do it and everybody would, would do their version of the power pose or whatever. Right. And it just, that makes perfect sense to me. Um, And I also, it also raises for me um, something I've witnessed a lot in my clients who are starting businesses where they have a lot of experience in the work itself, but they don't have a lot of experience running a business. And they'll say, well, I need to have lower prices now because I'm new to running a business. And I'm like, wait, 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 but you're, you're very experienced at what you're offering. Nobody's paying you to be a business owner. They're paying you to have this experience. Right. And, 
And yet we have this social norm that we're supposed to be like just sort of perfect at what we do. And so what I hear you describing as I think of you is like, my goodness, you are the go-to for career information that you don't have the nuances of different cultures, right? And you're still discovering the language feels sort of like a side note, but I can understand why that would feel uncomfortable, right? When you're saying like, this is what I'm an expert at and this isn't what I'm an expert at. You can help me listeners here, right? <laughs> while I help you here, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's probably what it is, is that I wouldn't come out as an expert is the concern of mine. Mm-hmm. And we'll see though, I, I want... I have it written down for January. <laughs> I'll keep you posted. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to hear how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. And I so appreciate your your willingness to explore this discomfort, right? Like noticing, I think when we when we notice resistance in ourselves, it's very easy to give ourselves um, reasons to not follow through on a dream or a goal, right? It's easy to... Yeah. Right, interpret this. Yeah, like it's been two happens. years. I, yeah, it, it's been two years since I've been pushing this out, mm-hmm. and um, and this year is the year. But you know, it's like New Year's resolution. I I, I didn't say, <laughs> I didn't wait till midnight to, uh, of the thirty first to do it. But we'll, it's definitely I'm excited about it, and I want to do it. Like I want mm-hmm. to express the idea of getting the just the across the world, and I know having these podcasts will help me do that. But um, yes, it's a matter of overcoming these, um, what do they call it? Is it, it's not imposter syndrome, really? Because I know, I know the material. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, hidden fears, perhaps. Sure, the discomfort of the unknown, right? Like the, and that we do have, um, we do have these voices, right? You and I have talked about this recently, right? We have these voices that give us these really critical or scary messages, right? Um, and so to to be concerned that it won't go well is a normal human concern. And you've witnessed yourself and your strength. And I love hearing you speak to those too. Like, no, I'm really good at this stuff. <laughs> I think it's a wonderful way to support yourself. Thank you. I think I needed to hear that. And I needed to have this conversation with you because it, it reminded me of that uh, cultural experience difference. And I think I'm going to keep that in mind. Yeah. You know, I I have to say that that story about that, that specific story about the power poses reminds me of an experience I had um, at the synagogue where I grew up. So I was raised Jewish and attending this one particular synagogue. And I haven't stayed observant. I'm very connected to Judaism as a culture, but I haven't stayed observant in the religion. But I went back and I was on the, the bima, the prayer stage. Uh, one day and <clears throat> probably for a nephew or niece's bar mitzvah or b'nai mitzvah or something and I crossed my legs and someone whispered in my ears like no no no, you don't cross your legs up here I still have no idea why but I thought like how interesting that this is my culture of origin and yet even here I can run into like cultural norms that I had forgotten or never knew or something like that right so I think um yeah, I think as as humans living in a in a relatively flat world with a lot of different cultural norms that we're going to travel through, it can be really easy to stumble across uh, cultural norms that we weren't aware of. Yeah, yeah, and uh, just to add to that, like I I was I was born in Lebanon and raised in Lebanon, which is not a totally Muslim country. Like we have religious, different religions, sort of like in Canada. 
Um, But to have not thought of that, because I think deep down inside, I would have known that I was in Dubai and that should have been a culture. And I think that's what hurts more because, hey, how didn't I know that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I can relate to that. So as you are, as you are being in this goal and the discomfort that comes with this goal, this it's a really exciting goal. I wonder what the tools are that you're using to navigate and they might be internal, maybe related to gratitude, like you mentioned earlier, they may be external, like resources that you're using to navigate. What What's helping you move through this time? I'm definitely a planner, as I told you about myself before, you know, that by now, and I have a plan for everything. I know plans are can be flexible and they're meant to not work. But definitely my plan of studying for half hour every day, working on those vocational terms, trying to figure them out, uh, keeps me going, but also gives me the confidence to say, come December 15, I know where I'm headed. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely something I promote when I work with my clients is that have a plan. It's not written in stone. You know, you can just let it go if something better comes up. But I believe in the value of having a plan. And um, it's it's helping me. I do use Duolingo. You mentioned Duolingo. That's one of them. I'm reading books uh, about careers in that language to see. Um, because sometimes when you translate, you know, if you use Google Translate and I say a word, um, such as gratitude, if I were to translate gratitude to Arabic, it would have like several meanings. And then, okay, to sit down and figure out which is the nuance of which word would fit with the gratitude I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, that takes a lot of research and a lot of work. So I'm, I'm working on that as well. Um, internally, I keep reminding myself that I can do this. And um, I think, again, you and I talked about failure. It's okay to fail, you know, if I don't do, um, if I come out, uh, no, you know, it's recorded and I can just not do it in January and postpone it one more year. Like, <laughs> uh, so definitely that attitude in that I'm gratitude, I'm grateful that I can do it today and I can prepare for it, that I have the time and that I'm not rushed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then having a plan and practice, practice. And, uh, there's one part where I feel I have to unlearn these words because I would be speaking in Arabic and then I would insert English words into the, <laughs> into the language. And so definitely having to come back and say, this is going to be like 90% in Arabic and maybe throw in English. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. impressive. So definitely. <laughs> Planning, practicing, and um, being okay, being okay with not moving at a fast pace. Yeah, I love that. I love that. It really is putting in place the things that you are able to control, right? And how people receive it, it's really completely outside of our control. I wonder what makes it important to you to follow through on this goal? What What are the values that underlie this goal? Um, definitely. Well, I was talking to this one coach and he said, uh, democratizer, that's how he looks at himself. I want everyone to have access to this information because no matter what, where you live, I think if you reflect on your life, you will be grateful for what you have and you will be a happier person, but also 
I believe in the value of doing productive things in Lent. Um, you don't have to be productive all the time, I know, but if you help others, if you do something that you enjoy, then you can reach that state of contentment and that state of happiness again and be grateful for what you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was talking uh, to a um, client this morning and, and she said, well, I'm not happy with my boss. I'm not happy at my job. I don't have enough money. How can I bring any kind of gratitude into this? And um, that's how I look at things. But I say, well, you were able to make it to work today. You know, you have kids, you have someone who can take care of your children so you can come to work today. And these are the positives that we can build on and, you know, pick as top 10 gratitude. And in my thinking of career literacy is probably, I look at it as a holistic thing. So I'm not just saying, go find a good job you like and be happy, but really it's a, it's a career that's going to affect you and the whole environment around you. And that's how I, I look at the work that I do is that if I can just get people to think about what makes them happy, then one they will find the right career fit for them, but also for their family and make the people around them happy. Mm, I Yeah. I was like, you were going to say something else. I didn't want to interrupt you. Yeah, no, no. And, and that was the purpose of the YouTube channel and podcast that I started and that's why I, I get a lot of, you know, feedback saying, oh, I wish someone told me this when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And to me, this is like, whoa, that makes my day when I get comments like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, gosh, there, I appreciate so much about what you just said. And part of it was, it was really um, recognizing that there's nothing that we do that's entirely for ourselves right? That how we show up in the world affects everybody around us. And then it radiates out from there, right? So if we're unhappy in our work every day, and my goodness, our work takes up so much of our lives. And if we're unhappy in our work, then that's, that's really going to radiate out. And if we can find the happiness in our work, I've told you before that I think that I'm uh, among the lucky minority to be just wildly passionate about my work, but in any kind of work, you know, other than the hyper toxic Right. We can, if we follow your wise advice and your wise guidance, we can find the the points of gratitude in it. Right. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it boils down to well, it pays for me to do other things that are important to me or that I care about. Or maybe it's I get to use this particular trait of mine or this particular skill of mine. Right. But we can find the nuances that really um, bring us joy and allow that to radiate out and and be a part of our a positive part of our interconnection in that way. And I, I love that you illuminated that. Yeah. Absolutely. And I do get some criticism from people who say that, well, I need a good job that pays good money and I may not necessarily be enjoying it. And that's fine. And um, my son is one of them in that he is working um, in a position where he's making good money. But then after work, I mean, he's not married yet, but after work, he goes and he does something that, really keeps him alive and passionate about um, waking up every morning because he knows after work he gets to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm hoping one day he can blend the two and find a way to you know, find his passion. But he's in his 20s and he's young. And that's the idea of going out and exploring until you find this right blend for you. Uh, but yeah, he does have bills to pay and he, you know, he's kept his job to get the money to, in order to afford a living mm-hmm. and trying to do something after work. 
yeah. till he finds, you know, something that blends the two. Yeah. And so to your point, like it's, it's noticing what makes us happy as unique individuals, right? And that, that the source of happiness could, could may well, um, and often I think does evolve as, to your point, as our lives change, right? If, if the day comes that he gets married, if the day comes that he has children, right? Like that tends to change our priorities a lot. And how absolutely. we show yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that he can go after work and do this passion of his, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's beautiful. Well, my goodness, what what a richness! Oh, and the other piece I wanted to pull out of what you just said—that democratization piece—I just love, right? And I I do think that like when we can follow your wise guidance, it sounds like a real opportunity for us to live more fully into our, into our whole lives. Is that how it feels to you? Yeah, like I love the term and I, I told him I'm, I'm going to steal it from you because it's <laughs> it's definitely what I hope to do. And like I said, you can start somewhere like my where my son is and then continue to build on it until you find. I think um, everybody can find that job the way you, you would describe it is feeling like I'm just starting this and I'm excited about it. I know I feel about that work like that. And I know you do. And you had been through your different explorations to got where you are. And I think everybody can get there. But we do have to have that self-reflection, that self-knowledge about what makes us happy. And then continue to build on it as we explore. Um, so uh, to my young clients, I say, you may not get where I'm at right away because you're still in your 20s and I'm way, <laughs> way older <laughs> than you. But if you don't start experimenting and exploring, it doesn't, it's just going to take you longer to get there. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you may eventually get there, but it's just going to take you longer. And the sooner you started in your 20s to say, I know who I am and what I want. And what we know and about ourselves may change, right? Through experiences, we may want different things. Mm-hmm. And that's okay to change that. And um, we were talking this morning as well about picking three options that you want. So what are the three jobs that you would want to work? Like, what would be your top three? And they could change next year, the following year. But if you don't go out and experiment with them, then they won't um, get you where you want to be. And I should actually give you an example about myself because um, uh, I used to tutor when I was in my teens. So I would tutor the neighborhood kids. And, but I never wanted to be a teacher, but my mom was like, oh, you know, help out this neighbor. She doesn't know how to read, help her, help her kids. And so I did tutor. But when I went to university, I'm like, I'm done tutoring. I don't want to be a teacher. I don't want this label. But everywhere I go, the way I walk or dress, I don't know what it is. It'll be like, I am asked, are you a teacher? <laughs> and it took me until um, later. And I never went and experimented with it because I had, you know, that image of my teacher, you know, old with the glasses. And I just didn't <laughs> want that image. So I never went and experimented until later on in life. And guess what? Right now, it's what I do. I mean, when I teach kitty literacy, I am a teacher when I go do my presentations, right? Mm -hmm. But I I fought this image of me. And (laughs) I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm not a teacher. But finally, this is the way I look at my, yeah, yes, I am a coach, but I'm also a teacher when I go and present to students about Mm -hmm. kitty literacy. Oh, I love that. (laughs) The thing you dodged and came back to. (laughs) <laughs> yeah I think it followed me all my life until I finally I'll try it that's great yeah. oh thank you for sharing that well Hoda before we wrap up today I like to ask everybody if there's a, a non-profit that you'd like to shine a little light on what it is and why it's important to you if you have one 
I'm very grateful for you for bringing this up because it really highlights what everybody's late, um, going through and we probably bring attention to different nonprofits. For me, it's definitely food banks. Like mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't hesitate it because I see that it's not just world, you know, in Africa or, you know, these poor countries that we think there are a lot of people who don't have access to food. I see it in Canada. I see it in the U.S. when I visit. And um, it's heartbreaking to know that we live in the land of plenty, as we like to think of ourselves in North America. And yet there are people who are homeless and don't have access to food. And I wanted to share with you something that happened to me is I, I, I'm a part of a book club. And so one of the discussions in the book club was about Africa and how poor people really don't have access and how we all try to donate money when we can. And then we moved on. But you know what? In North America, we have that as well. And so one of the ladies in the book club, she suggests, she said that's what she does if she meets a homeless person asking her for money for food she actually goes and buys food for them. Mm -hmm. And she said that to her, it's better than giving them money and thinking, oh, what are they going to do with that money? She feels good about doing it. And I said, well, that's a great idea. You know, I'm going to try it the next time I'm, uh, you know, I get the opportunity. And sure enough, I was in Vancouver and I had a long day at work. And so I'm going to fast food thinking I'm going to grab the food and just go to the hotel and eat dinner. And there's this uh, homeless person at the door asking me for money to buy food. And I didn't have uh, cash. And I said, you know what, why don't you come in with me and you can order wherever you want. Uh, so he goes, you're going to regret this. I said, no, it's okay. You know, I, I really mean it. Come and order what you want. So he goes uh, to the counter and um, he orders the whole, like the, the biggest combo he could get. And then the biggest shake they had and, and he said, I told you you're going to regret it. I said, no, I, I think that tells me you're really hungry. <laughs> so we had a laugh and we ended up eating dinner together. Yes. And wow, like to hear his story and to see that we have these things happening in Canada, it was just an eye opener. But definitely we, I know like there is a need for, for donating to the food bank and to supporting homeless people if you see them on the street. Um, but I know in Canada, we have like food banks are always asking for more donations, even, you know, the food, not just cash. Mm -hmm. So definitely go find a food uh, bank in your area. Beautiful. <laughs> and support them. Yes, thank you. I, I'm so with you. And I am so glad to know that you're out there and your friends are out there. I'm, uh, it makes such a difference. And, you know, part of what I love about that story, too, is that and my wife is really awesome about this, too, is is that there needs to be human to human connection too, right? Like to be experiencing homelessness can be a very lonely thing, right? And a very isolating thing. And, and much like your story, my wife is a person who will go and have conversations and, you know, make a real human connection. And I, I think that's really deeply impactful in addition to the um, buying food and, and showing support in other ways. So three tears. For and I know it's not easy. I, I know it's not easy. Like my husband was like, what did you do? <laughs> what were you thinking and I'm like you know what it felt okay it felt right I didn't yeah. feel um like I was doing anything uh stepping out of you know in a danger zone of any sort yeah, yeah. it's not a cultural norm but hopefully it will become one and I hope that hearing hearing you will inspire other people to challenge that cultural norm and and to make that human connection so thank you for sharing
Oh my goodness. And thank you for taking the time to have this conversation with me. It's been such a delight. Thank you so much, Svi, uh, for inviting me to step out of my comfort zone <laughs> and share stories. These are newsflash. I've never been ever shared before. Oh, thank you. And I am wishing you and I am wishing myself and I'm wishing anybody watching or listening uh, ease and joy in the midst of whatever our learning curves. <laughs>